Welcome to Views and Views and Music Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Kim. This is episode 34. Today we're going to be talking about Kane Brown's second EP titled Chapter One. But before we do, let's find out what is. This day in music history. Today is February 22nd, 2019. And in 1969, David Bowie begins a UK tour with T-Rex where he doesn't sing, but does a mime act. Ellis Presley records In the Ghetto and Who Am I? And the Beatles start recording I Want You, She's So Heavy. 1979, happy 40th birthday to Tom Higginson, singer of Plain White Tees, who was born today. 1989, the very unheavy Jethro Tull wins the first Grammy for Best Hard Rock Metal Performance, beating out Metallica. The Grammys aren't known to embrace new forms of music, so it, it isn't until 1989 that they recognize heavy metal for the first time. Finally, acknowledging the headbangers that have been filling stadiums throughout the decade, ignoring releases by Judas Priest, Anthrax, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Megadeth, Slayer, and Iron Maiden, to name a few. Nominations go to James Addiction, Iggy Pop, Jethro Tull, ACDC, and Metallica. They, and Metallica was nominated for their landmark album and Justice for All, which is the clear choice. But the winner is Jethro Tull, a truly baffling choice. The band skips the ceremony, so presenters Lita Ford and Alice Cooper accept on their behalf. Toll's record company places an ad in Billboard to congratulate them, pointing out that the flute, often, uh, often a lead instrument in their songs, is indeed made of heavy metal. The following year, more suitable acts are nominated. Dawkins, Queensryche, and Metallica wins. When it comes to rap, the Grammys face similar growing pains. 1989 is also the first year they gave an award in that category. But it actually goes to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince for their Parents Don't Understand song. Run DMC, Public Enemy, NWA, and Eric B. and Rakim are eligible, but they're not even nominated. Sidebar. I am sidebarring right here. We don't usually sidebar in these histories. I remember this like it was yesterday. This was a blatant, disgusting notion from the Grammys saying that, yes, we're a bunch of men in suits who don't know anything. Jethro Tull wins best heavy metal artist for 1989. The only two artists in the whole nominee out of all the ones nominated that belonged in there were ACDC and Metallica. And then you give it to Jethro Tull. Why? Are you effing kidding me? This, this is why I don't watch the Grammys. This is why I have no respect for the Grammys. I lost all respect for the Grammys in 1989. I don't respect the Grammys anymore. I don't respect what they stand for because it obviously is a popularity. Who's got the most money? What record comes at the most money they can give to the, the judges, you know, type thing. This is why I care less about the Grammys, the Oscars, the country music awards, including even the, the friggin' MTV video music awards. I don't care for none of them anymore until they actually make it where there's actually a straight up fan vote. I know people says, or even Nickelodeon says it's a fan team choice awards and stuff like that is I doubt they're really based on the fan votes. Give us a fan vote because guess what? I can go back. If I had all my old metal edges, my old circus magazines, any year Motley Crue came out with an album, they were pretty much taking every category. 
They're taking the old best vocalist, best guitarist, best bassist, best drummer, best artist, best tour, best album. Because guess what? Crew fans, we 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 get behind our, our, our band. But just the fact that you had, and I'm not knocking Jane's addiction. I mean, they're definitely they're they're an alternative band at that time, you know, they're kind of in that, in that they're they could have been they could definitely have been in there. Um, in that, but then again, but if you think of the heavy metal bands of the time, you know, the hard rock heavy metal bands, you think of Priest, Anthrax, Guns N' Roses, Crew, Megadeth, Slayer, Iron Maiden, just those ones right there. But I mean, you got Kiss, you got um, uh, Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, excuse me, why is he Ozzy on the first friggin' list nominated on the first list? Are you kidding me? I mean, but then again, Metallica gets put on for And Justice for All, which is. One, it's their first full album without bassist Cliff Burton. It is one of their best albums up to that point. I mean, you got songs like Harvester of Sorrow, uh, the title track, um, uh, One, uh, I'm trying to, uh, Short of Straw. You know, I mean, really the whole album is, is good. I, and I can't wait until we actually do it here on the show um, and, and do that. Anyways, that's my sidebar. That, that is my sidebar. Kim, you got anything you want to add about this? I mean, I, I'm sure 89, you probably weren't watching the Grammys. Uh, I mean, I'm sure your family didn't watch the Grammys. Uh, luckily, we had multiple TVs, and, and I was able to actually watch this. And because I knew there was a, the heavy hard rock, you know, I didn't know who was nominated, but I went in for that night to watch it. And then when I saw Jethro Tull one, I shut the TV off and follow up my friends and said and we had a nice little talk which i won't repeat what those talks were about here on the show because we're trying to keep this family friendly well anyway so you got an opinion on this i just don't understand how a flute can be nominated for a heavy well, metal award well, when I mean, when you look at a heavy metal you associate guitars basses drummers Right, you know, not a flute. Well, but see, here's the thing: is the the people in the suits of the Grammys. I'm sure they looked at it at heavy metal and thought, oh, oh, well, heavy metal. That's a flute because it's made out of metal. You know, a saxophone's made out of metal. You know, a trumpet made out of metal. Only you know? if they're high end. I'm just saying, though. But that, oh, come on, like Jeff Toll ain't gonna have the high end freaking flute. That's true, but I'm just saying you don't associate a flute with that. a heavy metal band. I'm sorry, you don't. Well, I know it's just like you know. I mean. I don't really consider Iggy Pop heavy metal. I certainly don't consider Jane's Addiction heavy metal. I mean, you know? it's just, there's I mean, just some... By the time, like, Jane's Addiction is coming out, you know, we don't have the alternative yet. That's you know? true. Nirvana hasn't broke onto the scene yet. Pearl yeah. Jam hasn't broken onto the scene yet. You know, Alice in Chains. I mean, I'm, I'm right there. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I'm, na- I'm aging myself here. Because I remember when those bands came out. And the funny part is, is, me, even though I love my hair bands, my heart, my metal bands of the '80s, I dug those bands. I loved Nirvana's Nevermind. I didn't really care for. I didn't care for Pearl Jam. Sorry, any Pearl Jam out there, lovers out there, I'm sorry, I can't stand them. Uh, mainly just because of that one song, Jeremy. I'm, I'm, but just for this show, one day I will give it a chance. I will give it a chance to listen to that album again to see if maybe my tastes changed. But I mean, I loved friggin' Alice, Alice in Chains. I loved friggin' um, Stone Temple Pilots and. You know, I was really into that that going forward, you know. But my problem was is when it started getting the songs, all the songs started becoming more down, down. You kept getting down, you know, deep depression style songs. Like, oh, my gosh, you know. I already know, like, I already knew I was, I, I easily can go into depression real easy. I don't need my music depressed. That's true. You know, and so that's why, you know, when it comes to like the mid 90s, you know, early in the mid 90s, I kind of gave up on all heart, all, all rock. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't give, I didn't really even give Pantera a chance until late, until about uh, 96, 97. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, that's about when I started switching back over to uh, start listening to rock again. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but anyways, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just the thing is, I, I wish I, I should have looked it up to find out who I was nominated with DJ Jazz and Jeff and the Fresh Prince, but not to have Run DMC, Public Enemy, NWA, uh, LL Cool J. I don't even know why that he wasn't L, he wasn't nominated or uh, Beastie Boys. You know, what I mean, it, well, yeah, it, it, it just shows you that the Grammys 
don't understand it. They don't. That that and it, I mean, really, when it boils down to it, it's a bunch of old men. You're right. You're you know? right. I mean, they, they maybe they gotten better now. Maybe they've actually got some better suits, but back then they didn't understand it. And you know, it's obvious by picking Jethro Tull as your winner for best heavy metal or whatever, best hard rock metal performance. Yeah, which yeah, never are you mean. kidding me? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, crud, freaking cruise stage show, Molly Cruise stage show from Girls Girls Girls, and at that time, um, at eighty nine, they were just well, they probably just started a Doctor Feelgood tour, you know. So I mean, excuse me. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, but I mean, even if you go back to just eighty nine, you know, eighty eight, you know, when they had the Girls 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 tour going, holy crap, yeah. you know that. I mean, that that had the three six drum solo, which we'll get into that in a minute. Um, in a bit because we got that coming up too. Anyway, yeah. so what? What? I mean, like I said, you probably didn't have much of an opinion on it. I mean, no, I, didn't, I didn't really don't. It. Um, but anyways, I enough of my sidebar. Um, let's move on. To, to, Look, again, but this is uh today this uh this day in mu- music history. Again, it's February twenty second, two thousand nineteen, and in two thousand nine, Kim, what do we got? A.R. Rahman wins Academy Awards for Best Original Score and Best Song for Jai Ho. Hi Ho, I bet. Oh, Hi Ho. I don't know. It's Bollywood, from, so I don't know. From Slumdog Millionaire, earning the Bollywood Music Veteran his first two Oscars. Nice. The Pussycat Dolls. PCD. The Pussycat Dolls Sorry. released an English, English language version. Hi Ho. You are my destiny the same year. Now, I'm just going to point out, I'm just taking a chance that, um, you know, like, you know, like in, in uh, for Spanish, you know, the J is an H, you know, you know, cause, you know, you know Jesus. Yeah, I think know, it is. Instead of J, Jesus. I don't know about uh, the ball, you know, India. I don't know about that. So I, uh, again, we're not very good at pronouncing things. If you haven't noticed that by our previous shows, that's bad on your part. Um, we try our best at it, but sometimes it's just like, well, I mean, to me, it looks like Jaiho, but I know that most of the time the J's are usually si- silent in most countries, or they make an H sound, so then it goes, hi-ho. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's, uh, again, that was This Day in Music. Uh, again, it's February 22nd, 2019. Now, since we haven't made any new purchases this week, amazing, right? We haven't made any new music purchases. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start. A, we're gonna try to get a new segment going here. Um, again, it might more likely will be an added segment week in week out, but we'll see. And uh, Kim, what's that new music? What's that new music segment we're going into? Current music news. And on uh, February nineteenth, uh, just a few days ago, uh, Smoking Armadillos, their country are. are country band by the way released their uh second single in less in less than a year um called eight second high you can find this on um most of your music apps uh i know it's on itunes i know it's i believe it's on amazon um and also you can find this on on youtube it's also on uh spotify um now real quick again we're gonna kind of sidebar versus me we're gonna talk about the song real quick eight second high i mean it it follows to right along with what for me, it kind of it kind of goes back around. It does it does a reverse. So when Smoking Armadillos first came out, they released an album, a little EP on their own label, and they had a big hit song called Red Rock, which was about Lane Frost against Red Rock, the bull. Um, eventually, Lane, Lane Frost did lose his life um, riding another bull, but and then this one here, uh, there's actually points where they actually use uh, commentary from the uh, uh, announcers of, uh, like, on TV, the TV announcers talking about Lane, talking about uh, literally just giving you a, a ride, you know, what goes on during eight seconds, you know, what, what they talk about on TV when, they're, when, they're, when the guy's riding the bulls for eight seconds. Um, again, it's, it, it's more country rockish, but that's what Smoking on Real has always been, kind of a country rock band. I mean, they did have the realistic little taste of banjo in it, which, oh my gosh. Um, but, it, you know, it's got distorted, but they've always had the distorted. I mean, for like Smoking Armadillos, they've always had that in their song. And so for me, it's nothing new. It's, it's, it's great music by Smoking Armadillos. 
If you want to check him out, just type in smoking, S-M-O-K-I-N, apostrophe, and then armadillos, A-R-M-A-D-I-L-L-O-S, and look for their song, or you can type in the single, um, Eight Second High. Um, It's a very good song. It's about, obviously, about eight second right a bowl. So, again, um, I like it. I definitely highly recommend it recommend this song kim what's your opinion of the song i like it too i would highly recommend it too and this is you know i mean seeing them in concert if they'd put this one eight second high oh, you just stole my you stole my idea i told you about that <laughs> yes he told me but scott told me about this but you the two songs eight second high and red rock could actually fit together well yeah I, because and, 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 they're well, both about the same cowboy right. and i think if you do it right if they do it right not knock Smoking armadillos. Here, here's an idea: eight second high first, right? Then go into Red Rock. Yeah, just my opinion. Well, yeah, because they both describe they both describe anyway to me Lane Frost's career as a pro riding cow as a pro as a professional bull rider. Right. I need I need to find the stuff I have on them because I, got, I actually have uh, their first album. Their first album when it was released on the second label on their first label, um, and. I have that one and a uh, the cover of the CD single, both signed by him because I got to see him. He was in '96, '96 or '97. I saw him at the Red Lion, um, in a hotel casino in Elko, Nevada. Um, it was really cool. And then um, I think I've talked about it before on the show. I did get a pick from uh, Scott, one of the guitar, the one one main guitar player. Um, he threw he played the first song, threw that pick to my buddy. And then played the rest of the show with one pick and threw that one to me. So, I mean, I'll, I'll always remember that. Plus, I got to hang out with him after the show. But I think I'm too thoughts about that. So, anyways, um, again, if you like Smoking Armadillos or you want to check them out, type them in. Look up 8 Second High. Yes, it's a very, very good song. I do highly recommend it. Okay, go ahead. What's the next news? Okay, details about Dolly Parton. Parton. Parton's. Parton's new Netflix series are coming together. Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, The Hollywood Reporter reports. Will feature. Will feature eight episodes, each based on one of, of Parton's famous songs. Jolene will be the first episode, while others will be based on These Old Bones, J.J. Sneed, If I Had Wings, Cracker Jack, Sugar Hill, Down from Dover, and Two Doors Down. Each episode will feature part Parton on camera in some way, either in a role in the episode or in an introduction to the episode. Dolly Parton's Heartstrings is scheduled to debut on Netflix in 2019. Sand Dollar Productions, part Parton's own company, and Magolia. Mangolia Hill, Magnolia. Magnolia Hill Entertainment, in association with Warner Brothers TV, are producing the miniseries. Patrick Sean Smith is the showrunner and, and an executive producer, along with Parton and Sam Haskell of Magnolia Hill Entertainment. I mean, Netflix has really come up with some really neat stuff. Yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, when I saw this, I was like, oh, wow, I'm not going to tell you about this. But I, just want, I just want you to... Hear it about the first time here. What's your, what, what, I mean, just from what you read, what's your opinion? Oh, I want to see it because Dolly Parton's one of my favorite singers and it's got one of her famous songs, Jolene. Well, most of those are famous songs, but I mean, just the fact that they're going to do episodes about the song. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. That's awesome. You know, that'll give you kind of a breakdown. I mean, hopefully it's not like about how they, how she wrote it. Hopefully it's like it, it's more of a, uh, an episodic, View uh, the episodic view of what the song's about. Well, yeah, that'd be cool, that in my would. opinion. But then again, if it's if it's just about how she wrote it, then hey, that'd be, be cool too. Well, yeah, what gave I her mean, the idea? Right. Well, and I think isn't Jolene like a sister? Isn't Jolene her sister? I'm not sure if it is or oh, not. Oh, dude, we're gonna have to check that out. Yeah, we're gonna have to check it out and then update you at a later date. All right, moving on with news. We got Reba McIntyre will be released, releasing a new album on April fifth, two thousand nineteen. However, you can hear the title track, Stronger Than the Truth, on your favorite music app and or YouTube. Oh, okay, Rich. I, I, Rich Thomas, this is for you, buddy. This one's for you, bud. 
Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson have announced dates for their latest leg of the Twins of Evil tour, Hell Never Dies. The North American dates are July 9th and finish on August 18th. Tickets are currently on sale for this leg of the tour. Go to either artist's website to find out where this leg of the tour will be and get your tickets there. Hey, Rich, just so you know, they're not coming to L.A. Just let you know, bro. Uh, Lincoln Park are in the uninviolable position of deciding if or how to continue without one of Rock's most identifiable voices, the late Chester Bennington. But in a new interview with Rock Antenna, co-vocalist Mike Shinoda. Shinoda, thank you. I think I'm pretty well going to mess that up, so apologize already says the band is open to idea of continuing though what form that takes has yet to be decided i and i quote we will thrive making and performing music end quote says shinoda and i quote i know the other guys they love to be on stage they love to be in the studio and so to not do that would be like i don't know almost like unhealthy end quote He added that the band's large fan base also is something they take into consideration. And I quote, as long as that connection and interest is there, I think that is our driving force to figure out Lincoln Park, end quote, he explained. When asked about the band's future minus Chester, Shinoda states, and I quote, it's not my goal to look for a new singer. If it does happen, it has to happen naturally. If we find someone that is great, a great person and great stylistic fit. I can see trying to do some some stuff with somebody. I would never want to feel like we are replacing Chester, end quote. Shinoda has been revisiting some of Lincoln Park's material while on his solo tour, stating that in doing so, his primary goal was to have fans celebrate his late bandmate. That said, it's not a stretch for Shinoda to sing parts that might be more familiar with Chester's voice. He explains, and I quote, in the demo stages of our songs, I would always sing my demos. So I would sing the original versions of the songs, and then I would play them for the guys, and I would play them for Chester, and then he would re-sing stuff. So getting on stage today and singing one of those songs, it just goes back to the first version of the song, end quote. I'm going to give a quick opinion. I'm going to sidebar on this one real quick. Um, one thing I, I, I'm happy he's going to take into effect is the fans. Because unless your fans, I mean, obviously it's worked before. I mean, obviously, you know, you rewind back to when Bon Scott of ACDC died. You know, they kept ACDC going by hiring, hiring Brian Johnson. Okay. But then again, Brian didn't sound like Bond. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like when Jews Priest replaced Rob Halford with, uh, Tripper, Gripper, Ripper. I can't remember to do his name now. <laughs> so how much I remember things. Um, he was an exact copy of Rob. I mean, if any of you have seen that movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg, that is loosely based on Judas Priest, where they pretty much just found a cover singer to replace Rob Halford. Is what they really did. So I mean, as long as they go, I say. One, as long as your fans are willing are willing to accept it, that's the first thing. Your fan, fans of Lincoln Park have to accept it. If the fans don't accept it, then it's, it's, they might as well just get everybody together at the original Lincoln Park and even get a new guy. And, they, and, and don't pull the Motley crew and still call it Lincoln Park. Completely change the name as a new artist. Motley crew fired Vince Neil, brought in a new guy, John Karabi. Now again, I love the 94 album. I think it's a great album by Motley Crue. It's very dark and it's very hard. Probably one of their hardest to date. But the problem is, is they, re- they replaced Vince Neil. The fans weren't having it and it tanked. Had they renamed the band to something else? It, right now, we probably may, maybe never ever had the final tour. Just saying. You, know, you got an opinion on that or what? I agree with you. Okay. Because, because I like I like the 94 album, too. Okay. So, next news. Next amount of news. That's kind of a little somber here. Ozzy 
Ozzy Osbourne has been forced to cancel the Australian, New Zealand, and Japan legs of his world tour. Sharon Osbourne also confirmed rumors that Ozzy has been battling pneumonia during his recent hospital stay. And I quote, Ozzy recently developed pneumonia and has spent some of the time in the hospital. Thankfully, he is now through the worst part, end quote, says Sharon Osborne. And I quote, he, his doctors have advised that he stay at home to recuperate for a full six weeks with no travel, end quote. Ozzy's next run for tour dates will take him throughout North America beginning May 24th at the Rocklahoma Festival. We wish Ozzy all the best and quick recovery from this illness. If you attended Motley Crue's farewell tour, the end, the final tour, and have re and I've already seen Kiss on their end of the road farewell track. You may have noticed some similarities in the show. Nikki Six did, at least, and he's not bashful about pointing it out. Six first took to Instagram and Twitter to voice his displeasure. The basis posted photos of the crew's final tour stage set, featuring he and senior Vince Neil being carried far over the crowd by two gigantic cranes. In the caption, Six wrote, and I quote, if you want to see an exact reenactment of this, just go to the hashtag Los Angeles forum tonight, end quote, alluding to Kiss's performance that evening. I quote, wow, our body wasn't even cold before they took this exact grand finale from our tour, end quote, six tweeted while sharing a side-by-side photo, adding, and I quote, might not matter to Kiss fans, but it does to crew fans. I dug their music when I was a little kid, and it was cool to co-headline together a few years. But this disappoints me. Disappoints me. Anyway, end quote. Six isn't the first crew member to call out these similarities. similarities. Previously, drummer Tommy Lee tweeted a video of Simmons and Kiss guitarist Tommy Thayer performing about, aboard the cranes in the, in the question. In question. <laughs> about the, aboard the cranes in question. Blah, 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 blah. In the caption, Lee commented, and I quote, dumb at Kiss Online, this sure looks identical to at Motley Crue's final tour, end quote. We're going to sidebar on this one because I have a big. Now, you guys know a few episodes ago, we did the Kiss update where, you know, Gene and Ace had that we're having their ins and outs okay gene pretty much put an end to that and said shit whatever you know i love ace i love peter and you know they helped us make great music he pretty much squashed it squashed it instead of keeping it going i applaud gene for that now let's get on to this point yes the cranes used at the end of kiss's set list look not identical but do look like the same cranes that motley crew use however I saw Trans-Siberian Orchestra in 2012 in Salt Lake City using these same type of cranes. So when it comes down to it, well, then Motley Crue stole it from TSO. TSO probably stole it from someone else. Someone else stole it from someone else. And eventually you get right back down the line, back to the 70s, where you got Kiss using hydraulic lifts to bring the band up and down. So, again... They're not stealing anything. I mean, obviously, we know the, you know, they, they probably hired the same tour guy, the same stage company that freaking did Motley Crue's final, final tour. You know, the differences are, I mean, the, the stage sets themselves are completely different. I mean, Kiss, you know, Kiss don't have a roller coaster drum set. You know, I mean, good, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, really, I mean, this is why I take from this, okay? Tommy and Nicky are, are pointing this out. Why? Because guess what? And we're going to get to it here in the final piece, but I'm going to bring it up real quick. The Dirt movie is coming out. So guess what? They need to make, they want to make sure that they're getting their voices out. Not like they can't just say, hey, Dirt movie's coming out. Here you go. But we'll get into that in a minute. 
everyone is always used something from everyone else. It, it, I mean, I guarantee that if you go look, Buddy Holly took something from Ellis Presley. Johnny Cash took something from Elvis Presley. Ellis Presley took something from them. You know, the Beatles took stuff from other people. People took Beatles stuff. I mean, come on. First of all, it's an homage. I mean, honestly, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where, hey, guess what? You know what? Kiss liked it so much they decided to use it. You know, Kiss liked what they saw with crew and decided to use it. You know, great. Applied, you know. Hey, Motley, thanks for giving us the idea. You know, big deal. What, we have to announce it? Enough with this bull crap. We don't need to be offended about everything. And I know I'm raising my voice, and I know it pisses me off. And it pisses me off not because it offends me, but because of the fact that you've got two great bands, Motley Crue and Kiss, which technically, if you get down to it, Motley Crue stole most of their stuff from Kiss. I mean, Kiss put, had makeup on. Motley had makeup on. You know, you go look at friggin' Motley's Shot the Devil. Well, guess what? Shot the Devil costumes. Guess what? It Some of that stuff does mimic some of the Kiss costumes. I mean, not exact, but, you know, I mean, there's shoulder pads and stuff like that. I mean, come on. You know, goodness gracious. I mean, you really want to really get technical about it? Hey, Nikki, here's something for you. How about in Theater of Pain when you were wearing them friggin' black and white stripes? Who'd you steal that from? Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Okay, so uh, enough. Anyways, Kim, uh, I'm sure I just covered everything. Well, you basically did cover everything. Do you have an opinion about this matter? Well, I mean... If you look, you look back over the history of music, I'm, I mean, everybody has not well, only stole songs from other people and okay, well, made uh, hits, okay, but they've also okay. stole state shade uh, shows, but uh, borrowed, excuse me, borrowed. Right. Okay. You know, well, hold, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to I'm going to stop you just right there real quick. Okay. Because, you know, that's the thing you just brought that up. Taking other, you know, using other people's songs. Okay. While the rap guys all got hit with lawsuits and crap in the eight, late 80s, early 90s for all, using all the samples, right? But when you go back and you start looking like, oh, look, Elvis Presley you know, recorded Proud Mary. Elvis Presley recorded this one. Elvis you know, recorded that one. He recorded this. He recorded this. Sure, I bet he played royalties, but still, it's been going on since the start of music. It has, and it, it's... I mean, I'm sure you could probably go in there and, well... I don't know which one's born first, Beethoven or Mozart. I think it was. Yeah, I put her on the Mozart. Spot. It was Mozart. Then. Okay, so I bet you probably go into Beethoven's. Maybe you probably find some Mozart pieces. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, which one was deaf? It was Beethoven that was deaf. Well, then you probably wouldn't bell because you wouldn't bell here. No, no, Beethoven was the deaf one that he. How about Tchaikovsky? Tchaikovsky, yeah, he he was. Was born, he after them? Yeah, he was after both so, Mozart and Beethoven. So I bet you can probably go in there and, and hear. Some pieces taken from Mozart and taken from Beethoven. Yeah. His stuff. E- even classical I'm music. Sure, I'm sure I could sit there. I mean, if I really want to get technical, I'm sure I could go into John Williams stuff. And I love John Williams because of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure I can go into John Williams stuff and hear Mozart, Tchaikovsky, and, and Beethoven. Well, yeah. I mean, it's all... It's Anyways, from when music I'm... began. Everybody is borrowing everybody else's material. It's no big deal right and now and we're, we're whining crying about a stage show yeah exactly i mean first of all our bodies are barely cold well no ma, um, no nikki you guys quit your your final show was december 31st 2015 so it's this is 2019 15. so that was three years ago just this past december your bodies have been cold for three years it's cold i should know because it don't take that long for a body to go cold after it dies and I know from personal experience and knowledge. So your body was already cold and moldy in what? Uh, what's the mummy? Not mummy. Um, Beetlejuice? No, not Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. No, uh, decomposed. Guaranteed, Motley Crue's body is already decomposed. Gosh. All right. Anyways. All right. Anyways. Let's kind of, let's move on from well, here. Let's finish off the week. This ought to be 
Uh, well, good thing this is only an EP we're working on. Yeah. All right, what's the last piece of news? The final piece of news. Motley Crue and Netflix have released the trailer for the movie The Dirt, which will, re- will be released on March 22nd, 2019 on Netflix. The trailer was released on Tuesday, February 19th, 2019. So now I've got to go from being ticked off at Nikki to now I'm going to be praising, going back and praising. Okay, first things first. Let's, we're kind of going to give you a quick breakdown of the, of the trailer as I saw it. Okay. Literally the opening scene, in my opinion, is them on the final tour. Okay. Throughout the scenes, we see uh, Chief Bastard Love um, or Motley Crue in the, in the uh, club days. Shout the devil tour, girls, girls tour. There's parts where they got Tommy Lee doing the, a lot of probably a lot of GoPro stuff where you're kind of like living through the band. Honestly, from what I could tell from this trailer, and I'll and I'll get to the actors in a minute. I mean, I'm not gonna say who they are, but I'm just gonna get to about the everybody griping about them looking not looking like original guys. The thing here is, from what I could tell, just from what I've seen, it really does follow the book. And that's just in the trailer. I mean, there's that part where the chick, where Vince is talking to the girl. I guarantee that's Honey. You know, um, his his girlfriend at the time that had the uh, Z28, I think it was. Then there's the part where, uh, you know, Vince, ki- you know, Vince and Razzle get in that car crash that eventually kills Razzle of Hanoi Rock. You know, in in Vince's Pantera, there's Nikki or Tommy, you know, and Heather going having a divorce. There's Nikki Odeen. There's, you know, mixed, you know, uh, problem he has with his back. I might have tried to say what the heck his disease is because it's something I can't, definitely can't pronounce. I'm not going to give it a shot. But it definitely, in my opinion, it looks like we're going to start in 1981 to where, from when they met, just like we do in the, in the dirt, really. Um, except we're going to, in my opinion, we're going all the way to 2018. Or 2018. Maybe maybe we'll go to 2018. We'll see. But at least to 2015 on December 31st, which was the final show at the LA Forum. Um, Not Forum, at the Staples Center. My bad. Um, Anyways, opinion about the actors. Do I really care they're not splitting image or doppelganglers of Tommy Lee, Mick Mars, Nikki Six, Vince Hill? No. Because from what I could tell, in those out of those guys, when they talk, they definitely got those guys down. I mean, the the guy playing Vince Neal, when he was talking to the chick about being, asking if he's a rock star, I mean, I could definitely see that being Vince Neal. You know? And the part, oh gosh, that one part where uh, it's supposed to be Athena with uh, Tommy Lee's mom and dad, and she's like, those are my pants. But they look better on me, as, as, as Tommy says in there. I mean, it's, it, it's comical because guess what? It is. This is, I mean, one thing is probably a good thing it's on Netflix and not coming to theaters because if it had to be a radar status, this movie would probably suck. Because if anybody's read the freaking book, there is a lot of debauchery in that thing, in the band. There's going to be a lot of drug use. There's going to be a lot of drinking. I mean, that one time when they show, uh, they show the guy throwing the freaking, they show them a, I swear to God, throwing the safe out of the hotel room, lands on that new cars. Motley Crue, we're here all week. <laughs> you know, and if you've read the dirt, it is going to definitely, I honestly believed, I mean, just in that little bit from what I saw, it definitely follows the dirt. The actors, I think they, I mean, especially Tommy Lee, uh, the one part where they talked about the, the divorce. Well, him yeah. And, him and Heather Locker, when, in, in that scene there, when he went and punched that, the glass, I mean, I I think the guy, he's the only one I know, I think it's Machine Gun Kelly. He looked like Tommy Lee at that point. Yeah. I mean, he, what, is this the way it hit the hair went around and stuff? It looked just like Tommy. I was like, wait a minute. Is this, is that the actor? Or they really get Tommy to do it, you know? Oh, yeah. But my opinion is, as a diehard crew fan, and I mean, I've been a fan of this band since 84. I've witnessed a lot of this stuff through magazines because one thing, they were never shy about their lifestyle and what they do. 
No. Or who they did. No. No, they weren't. <laughs> so, for me, it is definitely one of those scenes. And plus, I honestly, I think it follows the book to a perfect spot. There's also the points of Vince Neil dealing with Skyler in the hospital. Yeah. That was shocked. I was shocked to see that in there. Um, of course, we go through the breakup because that happens before that happens before the actual uh with Skylar being in the hospital before she passes away. Um this is gonna be one this is gonna be a movie where yeah, if you're if you're twenty between twenty-five and or between eighteen and thirty, you may not understand it unless your parents were a fan of the band and you know all the stuff about the band or you, you know, read the dirt, you read the heroin diaries, you know, that Nikki put out. Um, the dirt was written by all four members. Um, again, unless you read those and you're young, you're not going to get the movie. You're not going to understand it. You're, to you, it's, it's going to be this crazy friggin'. I mean, it's going to be crazy. I mean, do I think, do, do I think it will capture what it was like to be, them and not just be them but be in the 80s i think so because it was a bunch of excess you know it was everything excess excess everything was in the 80s you know we were you know the guys were looking like girls and wearing wearing makeup wearing their you know girls clothing obviously you know but again my opinion is if you don't have netflix i would wait Till about the twenty second of this, about the twenty fourth of this month, twenty fourth, twenty fifth of uh, of uh, February here. If you don't have Netflix, get it. I think they have. I think it's a free month. I believe it is. Um, find out if you got if you can get streaming for a free month. I think it is. I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure because mine comes with my T Mobile plan. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you know. Definitely get this, or if, or if it says a week, then wait until you get closer to March 22nd. Get it, download it, watch this movie. You can watch it for free at that point. You know, cause you're not going to pay nothing because you can cancel it at the end of the week. But anyone that grew up in the 80s, this is definitely a movie for you. It will remind you what the 80s was, where it was about. Anybody that's a diehard or loves Motley Crue, regardless if you're 18 to 30, because if you are a Motley Crue fan of that age group, then more than likely your parents were Motley Crue fans. One of your parents were, if not both, and you've heard, you've heard, you've probably read the dirt. You, I mean, my daughter's read the, I think, well, she has my dirt book. I don't know if she's actually read it, but she has, she does have it. Um, but she knows about this band because I, she grew, you know, I taught her, I told her everything about this band. You know, this band has always been in your face about everything. They have never held anything back. Anything with Motley Crue is, I mean, other bands, everything's been pulled back. You know, and you don't know if it's really truthful, you know. But again, this is, in my opinion, a must-see movie. You know, if this was on NBC, it would be must-see TV. But this is a must-see movie, regardless if you're a Motley Crue fan or not. It will, if you're a, a if you grew up teenagers in the '80s, then this will remind you of the '80s. But also, I think you're going to realize what the heck this band went through. I mean, there's a reason why the dirt is called or subtitled the most notorious band in the world. There's a reason why they are called the most notorious band in the world. And this movie, I believe, will show it again when it comes out on March 22nd. We will do a review episode about it. Um, More than likely, I will if we can't if we can do it, I'll probably just set up a microphone, try to set up our microphones in front of us while we're watching it. Um, and then condense down a quick review video or review episode where, you know, we take out all the parts where I'm not talking and it's, or, or Kim's not talking and we'll condense it all down to a very, you know, shorter video, you know, take out like, oh my gosh, you can't believe that happened or, you know, um, or I'll, we'll talk about, right. We'll watch it. Then hurry up and turn on and we'll do a quick episode, which they won't have no, you know, there will be no today music. There will be none of that. It will be like a, a little bonus episode for that week. So again, get Netflix if you don't have it. Um, or at least wait until you get closer to March 22nd. Again, this is a must-see movie. I, my opinion completely is I believe these actors did a great job. The only thing I would have liked to see them do differently, and now this is up to 
could have given it up to crew or or uh crew or netflix but honestly i like my opinion the only thing i would like to have seen them done was take like each decade 81 to 91 episode one or movie movie one uh 91 to 2001 movie two and then 2001 to 2015 you know to the end uh your third movie so a trilogy i mean honestly this could be easily made been made with trilogy because there's so much stuff that goes on and i don't mean in concerts in the studio this band was 24 7 seven days a week 365 they were nonstop in some of the crap they do. Those of you that follow Tommy Lee and Nikki right now on Twitter, on Instagram, you guys know. I mean, I know I, know I just bashed Nikki a minute ago about, you know, why and crying over some stupid stage. But honestly, this is going to be a great movie. Um, and I can't wait to see it. I really can't. I know I just probably really went into that way too long, but I don't care. What's your opinion? Well, you just about covered it, but I, I think it's going to be a good movie too. And even someone that had, that is just barely, you know, well, someone that's, that didn't grow up with crew, but later on got the information about crew. Yeah. I think it's going to be a heck of a movie. I mean, it's going to be awesome. And even watching the trailer for someone that, hasn't been it hasn't been into crew for very long i even recognized some of the some of the parts that were going on in the movie so i think i i'm with you i highly recommend anybody that doesn't have netflix to get it and watch the movie especially if you know anything about crew as it's gonna be one good movie really good movie and that was a great week of music news. I mean, honestly, it really was. It was. Uh, but let's get into our main topic and a uh, little background information about Kane Brown. Obviously, if you go back to episode 26, I think it is. I believe so. I think it um, we covered his first album, Closer. I thought I put it in the notes, but I don't remember. Anyways, you can go back, look through the previous app, um, deals, and you'll see where we talked about. Uh, the album closer um anyways so let's get on with this and let's talk about his release ep release chapter one oh. <laughs> yeah you turn yeah my turn sorry brown part huh brain part yes exactly okay brown released a new single used used to love you sober on october 21st 2015 which is his birthday and the song spotlighted on zane lowe's beats one it reached number one on the country digital songs chart based on just two days of sales with thirty-eight thousand copies sold the release of the single also pushed his ep closer up to the chart to number 22 on the top album sales chart a second song last minute late night was released on november 4 2015 and debuted on the country digital songs chart at number nine selling twenty six thousand copies another i love that i hate you followed three weeks later on the november 30th 2015 selling 17,000 copies in the first week. Brown opened for Florida Georgia Line on their summer 2016 Dig Your Roots tour. Kane collaborated with Chandler Stevens on a song and that they wrote together, Can't Stop Love, which was released on February 12, 2016. Kane signed with Sony Music Nashville on January 27, 2016 and records under the RCA Nashville label. He released his first EP under the label titled Chapter One on March 18, 2016. The EP includes the singles Used to Love You Sober and Last Minute Late Night. It debuted at number nine on the U.S. Billboard 200 and number three on the Top Country Albums chart selling 30,000 units 23,000 in traditional albums 
in its first week. All right. Let's talk about chapter one itself. Chapter one is a second extended play EP by American country music singer Kane Brown, who signed with Sony Music Nashville in early 2016. The five-song EP was released on March 18, 2016, as its first EP with the Sony label, although he had an earlier independently released EP on his own label titled Closer, which we discussed on episode 26. I just looked it up. Of the episode 26 on of this podcast. Chapter 1 is considered a prelude to his debut studio album that was scheduled later in 2016. Brown co-wrote four of the five tracks on the EP with co-writers including Chris Young, Corey Crowder, and Josh Hodge. The EP's lead single, Used to Love You Sober, is Brown's first official single, although he had released Don't Go City On Me single independently. Both the EP and the single Used to Love You Sober were great commercial successes. Okay, we'll get into the tracks. Um, Again, it's just an EP, so we won't have that far to go. Uh, track number one, Wide Open, written by King Brown, Corey Crowder, and Justin Lance. Song opens up with acoustic guitar, then electric playing a series of notes. Bass comes in, first verse, acoustic guitar, then drums come in during the chorus. Second verse, guitar, bass, and drums are playing. Chorus, there is a slightly distorted acoustic, slightly distorted electric guitar playing with the acoustic guitar. Third verse, acoustic guitar and electric guitar play the opening to the song. Then everything comes back in during the chorus. Then the acoustic guitar and electric go back to playing the opening of the song with the song fading out on a on the last guitar note. Where would you get from the lyrics? The town you grew up in is a small town with wide open spaces. Yes, I can relate. The weekend is here and you meet friends in the parking lot outside of, outside of town limits and you party. Your girlfriend likes to go fast and you know that there are two lane roads in which you can travel fast and have fun with no one around for miles to bother you. Track number two, Used to Lover, written by Brown, Josh Hogue, and Matthew McVaney. Uh, guitar, drums start, then bass comes in. First verse, there's a piano, or first verse with piano, bass, and drums. Chorus, drums, bass, guitar come in with, with steel guitar at the first lyrical sentence. Back to guitar, bass, and drums. Second verse, acoustic guitar joins in during the verse with piano drums and bass chorus repeats as the first time third verse starts with all instruments in the first lyrical sentence however at the start of the second only piano drums and guitar are playing and the bass comes in during the chorus during the repeat of the song title only drums and electric guitar with the finish of a bass note and bass drum beat lyrics the girl that you once loved has broken your heart she has moved on in her life, and you're having a hard time letting her go. You now try to drown your sorrows in a bottle of liquor because you cannot let her go. You are finding out that you cannot get over her and move on with your life. Track number three, Last Minute Late Night, written by Ben Car Caver, Crowder, and Matt McGinn. Keyboard starts, then guitar comes in with drums. An occasional guitar note. First verse, second sentence, bass guitar comes in, but drops out just before the chorus. Then all instruments are playing in the chorus with an occasional slide guitar part. Second verse, same as the first, except bass is playing during the whole verse. Chorus, same as before. Bridge back into the chorus, same as before. Song ends on a guitar chord. You plan to date with your girlfriend later in the week, but you cannot wait. For that date, you then call your call your girlfriend and state that you have to meet her in five minutes for a last minute date because you find out you need to be next to her. You then start describing the date you want with her and let her know that there is no need to dress up. You let her know that you 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 let her know that you are you are staying Anyway, basically that you're staying with her, that you're, you, you let her know to stay in her comfortable clothes. Basically, no dresses, no 
you know, no, just dressed down. Not, yeah, not dressed down. Not dressed, not dressed up. Basically, casual. yeah, casual dress clothes that you don't and you don't mind her. You don't mind her in the clothes, and you will be there in five minutes to spend time with her and sip some red wine. Track number four: Excuses, written by Brown, Hoag, and McVaney. Guitar starts with a drum machine, then bass comes in. Cymbal roll into the first verse. Drum machine, bass, and guitar throughout the verse. There is a guitar part being played with a slide. Then drums come in during the chorus. Second verse, same as first. Chorus, same as the first time. Oh, okay, yeah. Then you get a guitar solo after the chorus. Then back in the chorus with acoustic guitar and banjo toward the end. Then drums and bass come back in. Then guitar plays opening with drum machine. Then drums and bass come back in. Then the song fades out. The girl you're dating might be seeing someone else and is playing games with your heart. You confront her because you're you're suspicious of her actions toward you. She just she just says you you're wrong and he is a friend. You don't believe her and let her know that the excuses are not working on you. You let her know if she is playing games with your heart, you don't want anything to do with the game she is playing. Track five. There goes my everything written by Brown, Hodge, McVaney, and Chris Young. Song starts with a guitar, drums, and someone saying everything with an echo. Then bass comes in. First verse, guitar, bass, and drum, drums. During the chorus, distorted guitar comes in. Second verse, drums, bass, and guitar. Chorus, same as before. Then we get a guitar solo. Then drums, bass, gu- bass, guitar during the third verse. Chorus repeats as first run through. Then repeats chorus with guitar playing a series of notes after each lyrical sentence. Repeat the song opening, but add a distorted chord strum. Song ends with the final note and chord being panned between the left and right channels as it fades out. You are up every morning with your girlfriend and watch her get ready for work every morning. She is ready for work, and before she leaves, she kisses you goodbye. You think to yourself how lucky you are to have this special person in your life. When you and her attend a party together, you admire her from afar and think no matter what, she wear no matter what she wears, she's always she always shines and you know she's yours. All right, let's move on to our opinion. That was the end of the five tracks. Like I said, it was just an EP, so it gave us a little room for a few of my rants and and talking some extra stuff, which probably went way too long on, but hey, who cares? Uh opinion. Favorite song for me is wide open. Kim? I really don't have a favorite song. Uh as far as least favorite. I, there wasn't one that I could say I would skip personally. I do like all the songs. Um, they're just so there isn't anything I would wouldn't listen to, at least at this point. How about you? I don't have a least favorite either. Um, as far as overall sound on this EP, uh, it sounds like to me it sounds like Kane is trying to cross over into the pop world, which has worked for some country artists in the past. Even though there are moments, there are even though there are moments of traditional country sounds, steel guitar, slide guitar, and acoustic guitar, this isn't country in my book. As far as production goes, this is well put together. Some musical pieces could have been turned up a little higher. The steel guitar parts. And then, uh, yeah, it could have been turned up a little higher, but then, you know, but again, that was what they chose to go with. Um, Again, these are just my opinions and we all know what opinions are kim what about you overall sound the ep was well put together musically and lyrically wise too each of the songs did tell a single story within each song even if the ep does not tell a whole story in you know like go the song one starts story song five ends the story it's the point that each song as you listen to it has its own little story so it it actually worked well together well, just so everybody knows, this is the first time we both listened to this album or this EP. And for me, um, on the whether or not it exceeded met or was below my expectations after going off of his closer EP, this one, in my opinion, is below 
After listening to his first EP, Closer, breaking it down on our episode 26, this one just didn't have that wow factor for me. Even though it is only an EP, in my opinion, this counts as a second album, which you see in almost every trend for the past 50 years or so, regardless of genre, second or sophomore albums are releases are, or releases are usually below that expectation of the first album, or as I would say, a sophomore slump. In country music, two artists come to, in country music, two artists come to mind who didn't have that happen to them. They are Garth Brooks and Shania Twain. However, Shania's first album bombed. So her first one was her bad album, where Garth went up. And then, in my opinion, The Chase was his bad album. But that's another story. But we'll talk about them when we do an episode about them. This is definitely an attempt, again, like I said above, this is definitely an attempt at trying to cross over into another genre. But in my opinion, it failed. It failed at being a good country album. Now, I'm not going to tell you not to listen to this because this is just my opinion. You may like to CP. So, as always, I would say go listen to it. And then if you listen to his first one or need to listen to it again, EP closer, do it. And then you can judge for yourself. How about you, Kim? What's your exceed, met, or below? This EP only met my expectations because it was only only fair, but not magnificent. Okay. Again, it's something I would listen to. I'm not saying I wouldn't listen to it. I would again. It's just that it just doesn't have that. Don't have that wow factor. Yeah, the wow factor. It's just like, it's just fair. Fair, not magnificent. As always, everything you hear from us is based on our opinions, and everyone has them. So again, if you don't like our opinion, just remember, it's just our opinion. We don't need to be blown up on social media because, oh my gosh, I can't believe you hated at it. Well, everybody has different tastes. We know this. Anyways, we're going to move on to charts and certifications. The charts will always be the peak position or the highest spot on the chart the album or single made it to before falling off the charts. First up, album. Album. Billboard. Canada. Canadian albums, number 28. U.S. Billboard 200, number 9. Top country albums, number 3. Single, Used to Love You Sober, Billboard US, Billboard Hot 100, number 82, Country Airplay, number 35, Hot Country Songs, number 15. RIAA, Gold, November 2016, Platinum, February 7th, 2018. Actually, it's November 28th, 2016. November 28th, 2016 was the gold, and February 17th, or February 7th, 2018 was the platinum. Hey, no need to get testy. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I was just pointing out that you kind of no, said, no, 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 said no. November 20th. No, I, I was just correcting it. Anyways, as always, in closing, we love you all, first of all. We thank you for downloading the this episode. If you are a new listener and haven't subscribed, please click that subscribe button. If you subscribe, you will be notified when a new episode becomes available. Another way to help our podcast is by giving us a five-star review. It will help new listeners find the show when they are looking for a new podcast to listen to. Also, you, our listeners, can share this show on your own social media accounts to help spread the word about this podcast. Thanks again to all our current and long-time listeners. Also, one little tidbit. If we're going to go back to doing this. I know we've got one new iTunes review. If we start getting reviews again, um, we will go back to reading them on the show. Just so you know. Okay. So if you want to sit and, and also if you leave a review um, on the Facebook page, which is, we'll get to here in a minute. You can also leave a re- review there and we will read it on the show. I will get to you Pemberton, please don't, I will read yours. We'll we'll read it next episode. All right. Plugs. Use and abuse plugs. Where can we be found on social media? We can be found on Twitter at used abused pod. Facebook at used abused pod. 
Instagram, used and abused pod, and is spelled out A-N-D. Email usedandabusedpod at gmail.com. Again, that and is spelled out A-N-D. YouTube, used and abused pod. As always, all social media links will be included in the description of each and every episode. So you can always click on those links as well down in the show notes. We can be found on the following podcast apps and directories. Anchor. iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music. Google Podcasts. Pocket Cast. Overcast. Breaker. Castbox. Radio Public. Spotify. And tune in. Please rate and review using the views of music podcast. Until next episode, have, have a, a great weekend. And a great work week. Be kind to everyone. And, and keep, keep the, the music, music playing. playing.